Hi everybody, my name's Mickey, I'm an alcoholic. I'm probably an addict too. I introduce myself that way in Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Because that's the way we like it done in Alcoholics Anonymous. We like to introduce ourselves as one alcoholic to another alcoholic. Seems to have worked pretty good that way in the beginning. Certainly worked pretty good for me 15 years ago. And I have absolute faith for the new folk that it probably worked pretty good for you guys too. So in Alcoholics Anonymous, I introduce myself as an alcoholic and probably an addict. Because that's the way we like it done. Well, I'm a real alcoholic. But I also get to talk in Cocaine Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous as well. And when I introduce myself there, I introduce myself as an addict and probably an alcoholic. Because <laughs> that's the way they like it done too, you know. <laughs> the truth is, I'm Mickey Bush, I'm an alcoholic. I'm in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. I know what's wrong with me and I know what to do about it. And I didn't know that when I got here. I'm Mickey Bush. I'm an alcoholic. I'm in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. I know what's wrong with me and I know what to do about it. That's a lot of shit right there. You know what I mean? I never knew that when I got here, believe me. I knew my name. I knew my name. Mickey Bush. Didn't use it anywhere, legal. You know? <laughs> Mickey Bush, think about that. Mickey Bush. Mickey Bush. Puts me somewhere between a mouse and a president. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anywhere in that spectrum you're likely to find me at any given time. You know. Mickey Bush. I'm glad I got the name Mickey Bush. I mean, I'm, today I'm really grateful for small things like my name Mickey Bush. I'm really grateful, for example, my name ain't Harry. Uh, <laughs> you're a sick bunch out here, I tell you. That, yeah. Can you imagine going through life with a name like Harry Bush? <laughs> the goddamn sickos you are, I tell you. Can you imagine if we all got drunk together and the lake was booze? We'd drink the bloody place dry. I'm weird, I think, stuff like that. Yeah. So that's who I am and that's what I am. I'm real grateful to be here and thanks, uh, thanks Jerry for standing in for me last night, as I do for you tonight. And, uh, you know, we travelled a long way. God damn. This is a long way out, you know. But I'm glad to be here. You know, I feel good about being here, and uh, I feel more exhilarated about being a member of Alcoholics Anonymous 15 years later than I ever been. I got to my first meeting on January the 15th, 1983, and haven't drank since. And it's even more exhilarating today, more thrilled today, more thrilled today to be a, an active member of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I didn't know it, but all my life I was looking for Alcoholics Anonymous. I never knew it. Real glad to be here. Whew. I, I want to ask uh, 
the great spirit to put the words in my mouth that he wants me to say and give you the ability to hear what he wants you to hear. I just got off the hook is what I just did. Whatever comes out now is is down to him, not me. But I say that really because if you're new around here, maybe even if you're used, uh, (laughs) you know, if you're as sick as I was when I got here, maybe you've uh, got a hearing problem like I had when I got here, you know. So, you know, I say that because, you know, what I'm saying may not be what you're hearing. You may be hearing stuff I'm not saying, you know, if you've got a hearing problem like I got. You know, I got a hearing problem. I always have had a hearing problem. I don't know whether you got a hearing problem or not, but I do. I got in trouble all my life because I don't hear shit right. I just don't seem to collate right, you know. A girl squeezed past me out there at the top of the stairs and as she brushed past me, she said, oh, excuse me. I said, what? Seduce you? <laughs> she said, no, I said, excuse me, I'll excuse I said, just as well, i got a speaker that meeting for Christ's sake. Because <laughs> I don't hear shit right. I've never heard shit right. It's all right for you guys. I never heard. It never happened to me just because I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. I mean, I've never heard shit right. Even when I was a young dude, when I was a young guy and I was getting ripped all the time and I would come home and I lived in my mum's house, northwest London. I'm from London, by the way. You probably picked up on that, right? You know, I'm a limey lush and loady, me. I'm from northwest London, you know. And uh, my mum still lives in northwest London. And we all talk like this. This alcohol never done this to me, you know what I mean? I can't, <laughs> I can't blame this on booze, you know. And I would come home and I would be ripped and, you know, my mum would be in bed, but she never missed a... My mum never missed a trick, you know. Perhaps you're a mum like that. I've got one like it. And she would yell out down the stairs, Drunk again, son! And I would go, So am I, mum! Because <laughs> I don't hear shit right, you know. And she'd say, I'm not bloody drunk, I've been in bed since eight o'clock, what the hell's wrong with you? (laughs) And I still wouldn't get it. I'd think, well, why did she say she was drunk then, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're getting the idea, right? Are there any weirdos in town tonight? Any weird people? Yeah. No shit. And the rest of you lying mothers, I can tell you. (laughs) <laughs> weird all my life people said you're weird what the hell's wrong with you anybody ever heard that said to them what's wrong with you for god's sake what's wrong with you for heaven get away from me weirdo for Christ's sake what the hell's wrong with you and they would ask me what's wrong with me as if I knew they would ask me what's wrong with me as if I could give them an answer. Oh, well, actually, I've got a twofold disease. It's an obsession of the mind and an allergy of the body and I can't control my drinking. Yeah, all right. (laughs) 
I don't know what's wrong with me. Nothing's wrong with me. What the hell's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Why do you drink like you do? Why don't you drink like I do? <laughs> See, I don't know nothing about nothing. You know, I mean, well, well, I don't know that. I don't know why I drink or what I drink or what, when, where and how. I hear people to come to podiums like this and say they did. In our meetings, you know, in Los Angeles, people say all the time that they drank for various reasons. I don't know about that. I never knew about that. I mean, I hear people say that they drank to cover up their feelings. <laughs> and I think, at what stage of the game did you discover that? <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine that. Drank to cover up my feelings because I was in so much pain. I can't imagine going into a bar and saying to the bartender, Hey, bartender, hit me with a triple shot, your best shit, because I can't stand who I am and I want to cover up my feelings tonight. <laughs> who the hell done that? I never did that. I don't know. I don't know none of that. You know? I don't know nothing about nothing. When I got to Alcoholics Anonymous on January the 15th, 1983, I was so sick... I was so sick that I never knew I was sick. Do you know how sick that is? <laughs> Do you know how sick it is to be so sick that you don't know you're sick? That is really sick. <laughs> and if you're like me, as sick as I was when I got here, you're so sick that you don't know you're sick, but you look around the room and you go, ha, well, at least I'm not as sick as him. <laughs> Do you know how sick it is to think you're not as sick as someone else? That's really sick. <laughs> so if you're wondering tonight whether you is or whether you isn't a real alcoholic or not, I want you to know that I can relate to being as sick as you don't think you are. <laughs> and that's really sick. Really sick. I love this book. Really sick. Stand up, look. Right. And I didn't know I was sick. I never knew nothing about nothing. I just never knew nothing about nothing. Anything I know about alcohol or alcoholism or about myself is all in retrospect. Everything I know about anything is all in retrospect. It's all since I got here and you guys taught me what the... De what the malady was all about and what the nature of the beast was all about. Everything I know is all in retrospect. I never knew nothing about nothing when it was going on, while it was happening. I never knew nothing like that. I don't know whether you did or not, but I never. You know, it was, it's all in retrospect. As I look back, I can see it. And, and so, you know, new folk that may be here and wondering what it's all about and may be confused and don't understand, you know, stick around. You know, let this wash over you and become a part of this thing. Because you may not understand it right now, but as you look back, more will be revealed. You know? and, and you'll be looking back at where you are now. And it will more, things will start dawning on you and it'll start working for you if you stick around. But you've got to stick around, see? You know, we see people say, keep coming back. And then that's good and I'm glad and I'm glad we say that. Ain't in the book, by the way. Keep coming back ain't in the book. You know, we say shit around here, but it ain't in the book. You know, keep coming back ain't in the book. But nor is guilt. 
nor is sponsor, nor is a lot of other stuff that we say around here. Ain't in the book. But we say keep coming back, and that's what you said to me. And that's the one thing that I distinctly remember from that very first meeting. Keep coming back. Be a keep coming backer if you've got to be. I mean, we, tell you, we say keep coming back, and a lot of people take it literally, you know, and they keep coming back here, and, you know, they become keep coming backers instead of stickers and stayers. But you can be a sticker and a stayer if you want, you know. You know, a little bit of a difference. Stick around here. And I never knew none of that. I never had a clue. Like it, people say uh, stuff like, no one can tell you an alcoholic. Now our beautiful book, don't say we don't tell folk they're alcoholic. It says we prefer not to, we'd rather not. Well, on page 187, when Bill and Bob went to Bill D in the, uh, the man on the bed, they told him, read it, it's on page 187, you are an alcoholic! That's what it says. It's right there. You know. That is in the book. You know, you can, you can say a lot of stuff that ain't in the book if you like. There's loads of stuff that ain't in the book that we hear up here. You know, we hear loads of stuff in the book that ain't, you know, up here that ain't in the book. We hear things about your inner child. Ain't in the book. Don't know where it comes from. Ain't in the book. You're in a child. If your inner child's like my inner child, you ought to slap the little prick. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know where it comes from, it ain't in the book. <laughs> Got to get in touch with your feminine side. Do what? Get in touch with your feminine side. If I could get in touch with the feminine side, I'd play with the bugger. And I, I have trouble playing with the masculine side, for Christ's sake. It ain't in the book. I don't know where some of this stuff comes from, but... We hear a lot of stuff around here. I choose not to drink today. Ain't in the book. In fact, the book says it the opposite. The book says I've lost the power of choice in drink. You know, choose not to drink today. I think we'll piss on you. <laughs> Ain't in the book. If you're standing outside a liquor store or a crack house, you better have more going for you than the fact that you don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Just say no, there's a doozy, how about that one? Just say no! Ain't in the book. <laughs> Just say no to a full-blown drunk like me. Just say no. Yeah, It's like telling that homeless dude on the corner, Hey, homeless dude, just get a house. <laughs> Just get a house. If I could get a house, I wouldn't be homeless. Yeah, and if I could just say no to booze, I wouldn't be a drunk, neither. I don't know where that comes from. Where does that come from? That ain't in the book. Anybody read this book, by the way? It's a good idea. <laughs> Do you know what Alcoholics Anonymous stands for? Look. A-L-C-O-H-O-L-I-C-S. Alcoholics. A-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S A life centred on helping others lives in complete sobriety. Actions, not our names, yield maintenance of unity and service. 
What else is there? There ain't no more. I could get down from now. Yeah. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. See, that's all there is, isn't it? Stay sober, carry the message. Try and work these principles in all our affairs. Especially our personal relationships. Now, I don't know about you here at the Lake of the Ozarks. We're not very good at personal relationships, are we? I wrote a word that covers relationships. R-E-L-A-T-I-O-N-S-H-I-P. Really exciting love affair turns into outrageous nightmare. (laughs) Sobriety hangs in peril. (laughs) Goddamn bunch of sickos, I can tell, yeah. Well, I don't know none of that when I get here. I get to Alcoholics Anonymous and I don't know nothing like that. I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue about nothing. Nothing. I don't have a clue. I think I know everything about everything, but I don't know nothing about nothing. I get to Alcoholics Anonymous and a guy got up in my face and said, You're an alcoholic! I said, What? He said, You're an alcoholic! Alcoholic? You're an alcoholic! I'm an alcoholic. You, you're an alcoholic. I thought that's bloody mean to say a thing like that. Don't even know me. You're an alcoholic. Alcoholic? Alcoholic? Holy shit, alcoholic. Alcoholic? I'm an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic. 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 Far out. Ha! Far out. I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholic. Far out. That was like a step up for me. <laughs> They'd been locking me up in nut wards all my life. I wasn't nuts. I was alcoholic. Went, wow! Far out. Holy shit. I couldn't wait to run home and tell my best pal, the best pal that that particular morning had just told me to piss off. Piss off, he said. Just piss off. I couldn't wait to run back and tell him, hey, guess what? I'm an alcoholic. I'm powerless over alcohol. My life's unmanageable. He said, no shit. (laughs) I thought it was going to be a surprise. (laughs) Yeah, everybody knew except me. Walking around here full of delusionary thinking, like the beautiful book says. I don't know nothing. Dude said, you're alcoholic. If it looks like a duck and walks like a duck and sounds like a duck and smells like a duck, it's a goddamn duck. (laughs) Just because it's been taking some shit and thinks it's an eagle, no, you're a duck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're a duck, I'm a duck. Quack, quack. That's it. And I've been quacking around here ever since, yeah. But I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. I don't hear shit right. I heard, okay, well, I'm an alcoholic. Okay, you don't drink alcohol, all right. right okay, well, I don't know what that's all about. Yeah. So I didn't drink no booze anymore. Never drank no booze from that day to this. Haven't not a drop has passed my lips from January the fifteenth, nineteen eighty-three, right up until this current time. 
and I never went to AA to stop drinking. I never like had no intentions of stopping drinking. I had no desire to stop drinking. I'd certainly never tried to quit drinking prior to coming to Alcoholics Anonymous. I never, you know, I, uh, I never. What happened? It's about time we got the steps off the wall and into our lives. The folk on the tapes don't know that the steps just fell off the wall. They think I've been standing up here with my fly undone or something. What are you laughing at? I'm a delicate dude. (laughs) But I'd never stood at no turning point, half measures availing me nothing. I hadn't done all that. I never knew nothing about nothing. You know, I do today. I do know in retrospect that I'd hit bottom and that the power was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself and you know when the pupil's ready the master appears and that I'd been 12 steps by one of you chaps with two and a half years of sobriety and I was really sick and dying and didn't know it I never knew all that but I don't hear shit right and I never drank from that day to this but I'm a real alcoholic folks I am a real alcoholic do not confuse me with anybody who ain't a real alcoholic I am a real alcoholic Alcoholic, alcoholic, get it, get it, get it? Alcoholic, total alcoholic. Everything I do, say, think and feel, I do alcoholically. I am a real alcoholic. I always drank alcohol. Always, always, always drank alcohol. Never remember not drinking alcohol. Never only drank it, but always drank it. (laughs) Never only drank alcohol, but always drank alcohol. I also did loads of other shit too. (laughs) Mountains of good shit. Drugs. Now I know in Alcoholics Anonymous meetings a lot of people don't like hearing about drugs in AA meetings. A lot of alcoholics don't like hearing about drugs in Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. And if there's any alcoholics in the room tonight that didn't do drugs and just and only drank, you know, if there's alcoholics in the room that just and only drank alcohol, I'm really glad you're here. Specialists. I'm really glad you're here. But I ain't no specialist. I'm a chemical gourmet, me. A chemical connoisseur. Or as my sponsor says, no, Mick, you are a chemical kind of sewer. And I tell you that because there's a lot of young folk here and new folk here and don't be confused on this issue if you already are or some of you old, new, used or whatever people. You know, may have quit drinking like I had but carried on doing anything else that you're doing. We can't afford to be confused in this area. You know, it it entails, yes, we're talking about alcohol and this is Alcoholics Anonymous but we mustn't be confused by the fact that we think we can take anything else. We've got to be really careful. Too many people are getting drunk again because they're taking other forms of chemicals. And we can't afford to be confused in this area. (laughs) Yep. And I'm one of them. I stand before you tonight that I came to Alcoholics Anonymous and never drank from the very first day. But in our countdown, I didn't stand up at 15 years because my, I don't celebrate my clean and sober birthday until May 8th, 
which is the day after May 7th, which was the last mind-altering chemicals idea of any kind, which was cocaine. For four months in Alcoholics Anonymous, not drinking, I'm still doing all the other stuff I do, because I do loads of other shit too. I don't even know about a drug of choice till I come here. I've never even heard about a drug of choice till I come here. I heard you folk talking about a drug of choice. I thought, what's that? Drug of choice, if i got a drug of choice, it's yours. You know? <laughs> Whatever you got is my drug of choice. And anything you got is my favourite. <laughs> and that's usually followed by, is it good and will you front me some? You know? But I don't know from a drug of choice, folks. I never even had a drug of choice. I have no idea what a drug of choice is. Not until I come here, you know. And I carried on doing it for four months after I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm still doing all the other stuff I do. And you guys must have known, because I know when you are, so you must have known when I was, but you didn't kick me out. You didn't tell me go somewhere else. You said the opposite. You said, we love you, keep coming back, you said. And you didn't kick me out. And you must have known, because I know. And I'm here to pass that message on. And it's a very, very important message. It's in right in our book, as a matter of fact. In our beautiful book, I only like to talk about what's in the beautiful book, you know. The beautiful book, Alcoholics Anonymous, this beautiful book. You know, in, in terms of reference to other things other than alcohol, even in the doctor's opinion, it says here, the subject presented in this book seems to me to be of paramount importance to those afflicted with alcoholic addiction. One addicted to alcohol, so you're an addict. No, no, no big deal about that, is there? Page 7, Bill's story. Bill's story. I'll just talk about Bill and Bob, shall I? Just Bill and Bob, the co-founders. Bill's story. A doctor came with a heavy sedative. <laughs> Next day, found me drinking both gin and sedative. Wow, what a surprise. <laughs> this combination soon landed me on the rocks. <laughs> Bill had been drinking for years. As soon as he put a few sedatives in there, dropped him in the shit is what he did. <laughs> Let's go up to page 22. There is a solution. As matters grow worse, they never grow better, do they? He begins to use a combination of high-powered sedatives and liquor to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. How would you like it on Monday morning? Nice couple of sedatives go to work on Monday morning. How would you like that? Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. Perhaps he goes to a doctor who gives him morphine or some sedative with which to taper off. Well, I did sedatives and morphine, never bloody tapered me off. <laughs> Let's go to Dr. Bob. Let's go to Dr. Bob. Good old boy, Dr. Bob, wasn't he? Drunken alcoholic prick is what he was. Uh, he was! Even after Bill had gone to all the trouble going and meeting him and all that, he still went and... Look, can you imagine that Bill's gone all the trouble to meet him and get he graciously consented to give him 15 minutes of his valuable time? Yeah. 
happened. Well, no different, Dr. Bob, but here's Dr. Bob's story. Most of the time, therefore, I did not take the morning drink, which I craved so badly, but instead would fill up on large doses of sedatives to quiet the jitters. It was really a horrible nightmare, this earning money, getting liquor, smuggling it home, getting drunk, morning jitters, taking large doses of sedatives to make it possible for me to earn more money. Junkies, the pair of them. Straight out of the big book. Straight out of the big book. I ain't talking about shit that ain't in the book. Love the book. Love the beautiful book. Big book. B-I-G-B-O-O-K. Believing in God beats our old knowledge. It sure works. It's in there. You know, I'm really grateful. I'm real glad. I don't know nothing about nothing when I get here. You know, I just don't have a clue. I don't know nothing about nothing. And what I give you up here tonight is not my opinion. I ain't going to stand up here and give you a whole bunch of opinions. I don't. I, I hear people say that from these podiums. I hear long-time, old-time speakers get up to podiums like this and say that everything I say is strictly my own opinion. I think we'll shove it up your arse. <laughs> You know, we don't like opinions, do we? Who likes that? But, you know, it, not only is it a crock, because it ain't their opinion, it's a, uh, saying that is just a neat little duck behind. They think they can stand up here and say, just for me, I'm just talking for me, this is just for me. Makes me sick. It does, just for me. Like, I can't stand up here and just talk for me. This is not a me thing. If I'm the bloody message up here, you lot are in a bunch of shit. <laughs> you know? This is a we thing here. This ain't just for me and just my opinion. You know, that ain't what it is. You know? Our beautiful book, Don't Say Opinion, Strength and Hope. It's experience, strength and hope, folks. And you know, old farts and people like us get up here and we stand at podiums like this and say everything you hear from me is strictly my own opinion. And it's very dangerous. Because them new folk in the room, they hear us say that, then they think their bloody opinion counts too. <laughs> they do! They come here and they, well, I got a plan. Yeah, I'm sure it's a doozy. Yeah. <laughs> No, we got a plan. We got a plan of action. What you got is plots. We got plans, you got plots. Plots and schemes. That's what the news. You know, that's just the way it is. And so we can't afford to be confused in this area, you know. We have to, like, do what it says here. So I experience strength and hope, and that's what you gave me. That's what you told me, and that's what you taught me. You know? And I don't know nothing like that. I don't know that I got a twofold disease. I don't know that I, uh, you know, I have an abnormal reaction to alcohol. I don't know that I'm an alcoholic because I have an abnormal reaction to alcohol. I have an abnormal reaction to alcohol. Alcohol changes my perception of reality. That's what makes me an alcoholic. Alcohol changes my perception of reality. AA changes my perception to reality. 
I don't know that. I don't have a clue about that. I don't know. I ask a lot of people that I work with, you know, what is it about you that makes you an alcoholic? And they proceed to tell me a whole bunch of endorsements that endorse the fact that they are alcoholic. But they don't really know what it is that makes them an alcoholic. They think that, well, I can't control my drinking. Well, to control it, you've got to be doing it. And if you're doing it, you're already screwed. You know? See, I have an abnormal reaction to alcohol. Alcohol changes my perception of reality. So if I'm an alcoholic, I have a disease called alcoholism. It's a twofold disease. It's a disease of the mind and body. MB, Mickey Bush. It's an obsession of the mind, allergy of the body. Well, what's that? An obsession of the mind is a thought to the exclusion of all else, including recovery. A thought that overrides all other thoughts. An obsession of the mind. And when I get sucked in by the obsession, it takes away my ability to say no. So that then I have to say yes. So that when I do say yes, I think I chose to or wanted to and I didn't. Once I do it, I have an allergy of the body. Once I drink alcohol or drugs in any way, shape or form, kicks in the allergy of the body, which is the phenomenon of craving. The allergy of the body for the alcoholic, where alcohol is concerned, is in the form of a phenomenon of craving. A craving is a feeling beyond my mental control. So I've got an obsession of the mind that makes me do it, and a craving that make, makes me continue to do it when I shouldn't. A body that mustn't do it, and a mind that won't let me not do it. Holy shit. I say the word shit a lot, you know. I don't mean to offend anybody, because I like the word shit. Your shit, my shit, his shit, he's going for a shit. He's full of shit, you know. (laughs) Shit. S-H-I-T. Simply how I think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think shitty because I'm full of crap C-R-A-P carrying resentments against people yeah. Dr. Bob was a proctologist that's why he was so much of a help to arseholes like us you know <laughs> but anyway I like the word shit I don't, I don't know whether you use that much down here but I do You know, I don't know nothing about nothing. I don't know that I got a disease called alcoholism. I don't know anything about an obsession of the mind and an allergy of the body. And I don't know why I keep doing this. And year after year after year, I'm a guy voted most likely to succeed, and yet I end up 40 years of age, broke, busted, disgusted, and not to be trusted. I don't know nothing about nothing. How does that happen, man? How does a guy like me continue? Who's who's, who's like? I, I, I've got a brilliant mind, you know, and a great mind and a great education and I've got letters after my name. I've got a PhD, for heaven's sake. Pretty heavy drinker. And, uh, <laughs> and, and yet I've been in and out of nut wards and I've been on, you know, skid row and I've been incarcerated and I've been brutalised and chained down and I've been, you know, locked up in padded cells and, and you know, ostracised from society. You know. how, does, how does a guy like me end up that way? I didn't intend to. I didn't intend to do that. I had a brilliant career and yet what happened? The downward spiral. 
over many, many years, end up 40 years of age, just destitute. Destitute. Why would, why would that be? I don't know that. People say, you know, that in their early years that they, they never stood in line, say, with careers officer and, and, and elected to become an alcoholic and go to AA, you know. No, none of us kind of planned that. But do you know what I thought about that? Maybe it's just because I'm weird. But I, I thought about, if I, if I could have got the understanding of the beauty of being a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and living this lifestyle all those years ago, I'd have begged for it then. I'd have stood in line and begged them for it. But it doesn't seem to work that way, does it? That's why it's so essential that each and every one of us must hit bottom. I don't know what hitting bottom is. I think that hitting bottom is a set of circumstances. I think that hitting bottom is about the circumstances that my life has taken. Not about that at all. Hitting bottom's not about outside stuff. Hitting bottom's about inside stuff. Hitting bottom's an inside job. And when I came out of that two-day blackout on January the 15th, 1983, not knowing nothing about nothing, I don't know that I'm in the process, the process of recovery, the process that you know, takes over if you're an alcoholic like I am. I didn't know then. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know that I was being 12 steps. I didn't even know what a blackout was. A guy said, you was in a blackout. I said, no, I was awake. I was doing shit. He said, I said, blackout, idiot, not pass out. I went, oh. I didn't know you did shit in a blackout that you didn't remember. Like travel. <laughs> I mean, I, I came out of a blackout once walking down a street in Spain. I'd gone out drinking in London. I mean, you know something's happened when you come out of a blackout and there's sunshine and palm trees around. Ain't no bloody sunshine and palm trees in London. Fog is and rain's what's in London. Yeah. Maybe you don't relate to travelling in blackouts. Maybe you have other kind of blackouts. You know, I don't know. You, if you chuckled, so I guess you're relating. Maybe you relate to the kind of blackouts. You ever, you ever like go out drinking? You ever, do you ever drink somebody good looking? <laughs> do, you, do you know? Do you know what I mean? You go out drinking and miracles develop in front of your eyes. Some goddamn wretch becomes angelic. You know what I mean? And then you wake up next to it in the morning, you know. <laughs> you look, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> One second, I went, get out, get out! You ugly bitch, get out! She said, you get out, this is my house. And kick me. <laughs> they say, if you're laughing, you're relating. There's a lot of laughter going on, yeah. I don't know nothing about a blackout. I don't know about being in the process. I don't know what, what's happening. You know, and I, and, and I just call up my best friend who's visiting from Spain and he tells me to piss off. Just piss off. And, you know, I just... I don't know whether you know about that, but, you know, when you just... 
get told to piss off and you just brush aside and you just go all little, all little inside. Do you know what I mean when I say about all little and you just go all little and inadequate? And I, I, I called up this other guy that had been hanging around and I don't know why he'd been hanging around. He was a somebody I'd known for a long, long time as a, a rock and roll singer and and he just seemed to have been around a lot lately and I didn't know that he was a two and a half year member of this fellowship and he was 12-stepping me. I never knew that. I never had a clue about that. Yeah. But they say when the pupil's ready, the master appears, don't they? I called him up. He's laughing at me, he is. I said, what are you laughing at? He said, you. I said, why? He said, because you do weird shit, that's why. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? And he laughed again, a big howling laugh. I said, what do you keep laughing at? He said, you don't remember what you got up to over the weekend, do you? I said, no. And he laughed again. I said, why do you keep laughing? He said, I ain't had a drink for two and a half years. I said, ain't you? How come? He said, because I used to drink like you. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? And he let out a hoop. I said, don't keep bloody laughing for Christ's sake. We don't like being laughed at, do we? I'm a delicate dude, for Christ's sake. I've got all these feelings. He said, have you spoke to your pal from Spain? I said, yeah, he told me to piss off. I said, what happened? He said, well, it all started after you peed in that lady's dinner. I said, what? He said, your friend took us to that smart Beverly Hills restaurant, treated a whole bunch of us. He said, and in the middle of the restaurant, you got all ticked off at some old lady across the restaurant, and you got up and walked right across to her table and took it out and whacked it right in her spaghetti. <laughs> so, oh my God. And I didn't remember peeing in the old lady's dinner. And I would do shit like that. And then I, you know, I, I wouldn't remember and, and then I'd go back in that restaurant or something two days later and they'd go, oh my God, what the hell are you doing in here? After what you've done. And I'd go, what do you mean? And they'd call the cops or something. And you know, if you don't know what hitting bottom's all about or you think that it's about being broke, busted, disgusted, a lot of people think hitting bottom is about the circumstances that their life end up in. You know, they think that it's about hustling the Broadway, trying to earn a dollar, feet to the curb or something, and it's not. Perhaps they think it's about ending up in a penitentiary married to Bubba, but it's not, you know. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It's not about all that outside stuff. It's an inside job, you know. Hitting bottom is about turning to the power, usually in desperation and despair, certainly like I did, because I sat there at my coffee table just completely demoralised and in so much despair and discomfort as a result of my drinking. And I just remember, oh, I just went, what the hell's wrong with me, for Christ's sake, for God's sake, help me, for Christ's sake! Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> And at that moment, that's the point of hitting bottom. When we turn to the power and invite it into our life as far as alcohol is concerned. Don't get me wrong. I never knew nothing about no power. I never had no power in my life like I knew today. I never had no 
I don't know I understand God but I turn to the source and the power and ask for the help we need and the, and the power turned to me and said Mick you silly bastard I've been waiting for you to ask get yourself over to that AA meeting over there sent me to you guys the power sent me to you the doctor you guys gave me the prescription when you ask for help ask 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 saving kit (laughs) ask for help H-E-L-P here's ever loving presence He grants us the gift. G-I-F-T. God is forever there. Holy shit. He sent me to you guys. He sent me to you guys. Alcoholics Anonymous. You guys introduced me to a beautiful book, Alcoholics Anonymous. B-I-G-B-O-O-K Believing in God beats our old knowledge In the beautiful book there's a program P-R-O-G-R-A-M People relying on God relaying a message In the beautiful book was a design for living a blueprint for life you called it 12 spiritual steps S-T-E-P-S Solution to every problem sober Holy shit I said have I got to do the steps? He said yeah Why? Because if you try and quit drinking and using without replacing it with the steps, you go crazy, you go nuts. Nuts? What do you mean nuts? <laughs> N-U-T-S. Not using the steps. <laughs> well, how shall I find out about how to do that? You better ask a sponsor. Sponsor? What do you mean sponsor? S-P-O-N-S-O-R. Sober person offering newcomers suggestions on recovery. That's what a sponsor is. (laughs) Holy shit. I don't know nothing about that. Why should I ask him that? So you stay sober? Sober? What do you mean sober? S-O-B-E-R. Son of a bitch. Everything's real. That's what sober is. Well, why do you want to be sober anyway? Why do I want to be sober? Because I came here a hopeless dope fiend. Now I'm a dopeless hope fiend. Now that's why I want to be sober. <laughs> hope? What do you mean hope? H-O-P-E. Happy our pro- program exists. Who's happy they got a program here? No shit. <laughs> Maybe hope is H-O-P-E. Is hearing other people's experiences. That's what we have here, don't we? We come here and one alcoholic comes together with another alcoholic for the purpose of recovery, to share our experience, strength and hope with each other so that we can recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Holy shit! I don't know that! But that's what it's all about. I don't know I'm powerless over alcohol. I never knew for years that I was powerless over alcohol. Years after I was in Alcoholics Anonymous, I never knew the true meaning of being powerless over alcohol. Powerless over alcohol. Alcohol. Not people, places and things. Alcohol. Powerless over alcohol. People talk about being powerless over everything. Powerless over people, places and things. Nothing to do with nothing. Nothing to do with nothing being powerless over people, places and things. Certainly got nothing to do with alcoholism. 
Everybody is and isn't powerless over people, places and things. Nothing to do with alcoholism. You think the bloody Pope don't wake up someday and say, why do I have to wear this bloody hat? No one else has to wear a hat like this. <laughs> you think Granny Clampett ain't powerless over Jethro? Yeah, nothing to do with nothing. We're powerless over alcohol. See? And if I'm powerless over alcohol... I've got to realise that I'm powerless over alcohol, but I've also got to realise that I'm powerless over it, but it ain't powerless over me. I'm powerless over it, but it's not powerless over me. It can and does get me to do shit that I don't want to do. That's really what powerless is. I'm powerless over alcohol because it makes me do shit that I don't want to do, including drinking and using it. Not only drinking and using it, including drinking and using it. I'm powerless over alcohol because it makes me do it even when I don't want to do it. When I absolutely don't want to drink, when every fibre of my body is against drinking, when every desire I've got in the world is to not drink, I drink anyway. <laughs> Who else does that? No shit. See? I'm powerless over it because it makes me do shit that I don't want to do, including drinking it. See? Now, if I don't want to drink it, I can't just rely on my choice not to do it. I choose not to drink today. Well, if we could rely on our choice, we'd have a different ball game going here, wouldn't we? Oh, I can choose not to drink today. It's easy to choose not to drink today. I did it three times in one day once. I can't bloody rely on it because the disease is more powerful than my choice not to do it. I've got to not want to do it, then do these steps and this work so that I don't do what I already don't want to do. And if I don't do these steps and this work, I will do what I don't want to do because the disease will make me do what I don't want to do. <laughs> it's easy. That's it. That's it. And when I think about it, powerless. I'm powerless over alcohol. I'm powerless over alcohol. Well... If God is the source and God is the power over everything, if God is the source and God is the power over everything, and I'm powerless over alcohol, means I have no God in my life when it comes to alcohol. Wow. So guess what? I can't let go and let God. I got no power to do that to. I can't turn it over to God. I got no power to do that with. I'm powerless over alcohol. I've got no God in my life when it comes to alcohol. i got God in the rest of my affairs. That's obvious. I mean, I'm standing on the bloody ground instead of being under it. So I must have God in the rest of my affairs. But when it comes to alcohol, I'm powerless. In the rest of my affairs, I have power. Why wouldn't I have? Alcohol. I have no God in my life when it comes to alcohol. That's why it's so essential that we hit bottom. Because when I hit bottom and invite the power in as far as alcohol is concerned. And he comes. And the power sent me to you guys. Me plus you was a power greater than me on my own. You plus us is a power greater than you on your own. When two alcoholics come together for the purpose of recovery, which is the third factor... And it must be there, the third factor. When two alcoholics come together for the purpose of recovery, God comes in our midst and produces a power greater than either of us. So it's produced by us, but it's greater than us. And we can absolutely depend on it and rely on it. And my beautiful book tells me, with this attitude, you cannot fail.
see? And that's essential. The, the third factor. The third factor for the purpose of recovery. Some of us don't always cotton to that, you know. We think that we can go to meetings and cruise meetings and hang out with alcoholics and that's the deal. But it ain't. It ain't. You can go to meetings, I see them all the time down in Los Angeles. People keep getting loaded. They get loaded coming from meetings. <coughs> Without the third factor, for the purpose of recovery. See? If, if it wasn't essential, then, you know, if you think that just hanging out with drunks is okay, go down any skid row in any town in any country in the world and you'll see drunks hanging out together. Drunks have always hung out together. <laughs> ain't nothing big about that. But they ain't got for the third factor, have they? For the purpose of recovery, which is what we got here. When one alcoholic comes together for the purpose of recovery, God comes in our midst and produces a power greater than either of us that we can absolutely depend upon. See? And, and, you know, that's just the way it is. I don't know that. I don't know that when I get here. I have no idea about that. I have no idea about the concept of a power that I have that makes complete sense to me today, like page 93 in the beautiful book says. On page 93 in the beautiful book, it says you can choose any concept of God you like, provided it makes sense to him. Well, guess what? I asked a lot of the troops I work with, give me the understanding you've got of that power greater than yourself. Call it God if you like. I don't care what if you call it God or not. I don't have any problem with anybody wanting to use the word God. In fact, I hear a lot of people say they've got trouble with the Godship. Well, if you've got trouble with the Godship, well, then call it something else then. We don't care. We don't care what name you call it or what noun you use to describe it. Why, we don't care what noun you call it. Vladimir Shiganovich, if you want. It doesn't matter to us. You know, we have no truck with anybody's preference along these lines. You know. I did something with God, though, that I never did with anything else. I got brought up a certain way in a religion, and uh, I hated it. I detested it. I mean, I really did. I was a right little shithead when I was young as well, you know. I was, I was always a little prick, I was, you know. I got brought up in a, in a, in a, in a, in a religion. I used to uh, be forced to go to church and, and go to confession and other things, you know. I hated it. I used to shit in the confessional. <laughs> I did. I used to go in the confessional and drop one, like... The following week I'd go in the other one and write out a note, the phantom shitter strikes again, you know. <laughs> I used to rob the paper money and the candle money. One time, as when I got older, you know, I got a big truck and loaded up a whole load of the pews and the benches and <laughs> stole them. I never even had a buyer for them. I just ripped them off. <laughs> Hated it. I didn't, you know, you guys said, let go and let God. I said, what? You said, turn it over to God. I said, what? You said, pray to God. I said, what? Pray to God? If I pray to him, he'll know where I am. <laughs> I've been ducking God for years. The idea I had of God was a fearful, threatening, punishing God. God was going to get me for everything. God was even going to strike me blind if I played with the old diggling. Well, you know I did anyway. (laughs) 
When I found out how good it felt, I thought, well, I'll risk one eye. <laughs> how did they shine that? <laughs> <laughs> You're really mean. You're really mean. I'm not getting. I mean, there's an excuse for me. I'm sick, but you're supposed to be getting better. I won't do nothing with that God, that fearful, threatening, punishing God for heaven's sake. Christ, I ain't like that today. You guys said you never. God of your understanding. I never even knew what that meant. I never knew what that was. I'd never even heard that put before. I don't know that I can have a loving God, my understanding, walk in the sunlight of the Spirit. I don't know nothing like that. But the beautiful book says I can. The beautiful book says, provided it makes sense to him. You know, and I, I hear people walking around here thanking God for this and thanking God for that and God as I understand God and God as I've understood God. And, and I asked him, give me that understanding you've got of God. Explain it to me that makes sense to me. Give it to me. Give it, give me, you know, if it makes sense to you, give me that understanding. And they can't. They go, well, it's God, isn't it? Bullshit, see? And that's what I think one of the major reasons that 95% of us are not making it. 95% in Alcoholics Anonymous are not making it. 95% of the people that get to a program that works and really works good are not making it. There has to be a reason for that. And I believe one of those reasons is that people are walking around here talking about a God of their understanding and they have no bloody understanding of a God in their life. So, do you know what I liken it to? I liken it to walking to school or something and the bully is going to bash me up. And I tell him, you better not bash me up, I've got a big brother who'll come down here and bash you up. So he leaves me alone. But one day he says, well, screw you, I'm going to bash you up anyway. And guess what? I ain't got a big brother. <laughs> That's what we talk about here. When we talk about God and my understanding, then we ain't really got it. And then we ain't got it. Because if you ain't got an understanding of God that works for you, it certainly ain't going to spring into your head at two o'clock in the morning when the demons are screaming and you got sucked in by that obsession and every fibre of your body hurts and is on fire. It ain't going to work. And so we better get that. That's why the second step is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore me to sanity, which means that I don't have to drink. We talk about insanity being repeating the same behaviour and expecting a different result, which is drinking and using as far as we're concerned. We're talking about a life-threatening disease here. We're not talking about the Johnny Cochran show or Barry Sheck or any of that sort of stuff. Whatever the precise and exact definitions of insanity may or may not be, as far as we're concerned, it's repeating the same behaviour and expecting a different result, drinking. Well, there's a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. And it's right here, right now. It's right here in this room. Me plus you is a power greater than me. You plus us is a power greater than you. Right here. I think about it in terms of this water I'm drinking. I think of it in terms of this water. This water, the formula for water is H2O. H2O, that's fairly common knowledge. H2O, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. Water, life-saving. Well, that's what we got here. Two drunks, one God. Power. Power over alcohol. I don't walk around telling people I'm powerless over alcohol today. Why would I do that? Why would I say I'm powerless? I was. Every morning, as soon as I gain consciousness, I turn to the power. 
Every single day, as soon as the smallest grain of consciousness comes into my mind, I turn to the power. Say, oh, hey, old man, I'm on your course. What you got for me today? I'm here to do your bid. And he says, come, kid, let's go to work. We've got some work to do today. Turn to the power. The power's in my life. The power's in my life. He sent me to you guys. Twelve Steps Spiritual Fellowship. You guys presented me with a beautiful book, Alcoholics Anonymous. In the beautiful book is a 12-step spiritual program, a design for living, a blueprint for life. You introduced me to a sponsor. Today I have sponsorees. Powerless? Why would I say I'm powerless when I got all that power? I got a, a higher power in my life, a, a human power here, me plus you, a big book, a program of action, 12 spiritual steps, a sponsor, sponsorees. I got so much goddamn power, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I said to my sponsor, What should I do with all this power I got over alcohol? He said, Give it away. He said, Go on, give it away. Go to the goddamn Ozarks. <laughs> My sponsor's weird like that, tells me all kinds of shit he does. Told me when I was doing the ninth step, and I told him I was whining. I saw somebody with a, uh, we refused whining or something on their shirt. It reminded me of my sponsor when I was whining about having to pay all this dough back that I owed. Seemed everybody was after my money. Everybody I knew seemed to be after my dough. And I told my sponsor, and he said, no, he said, it's not that way. He said, nobody's after your dough. I thought, oh good, I'm off the hook. <laughs> He said, they don't want your dough, they want their dough back. <laughs> I don't know how to think that way. But right here, right now, a power great myself could restore me to sanity, a crazy, insane person like me. Third step, came to believe, made a decision. Excuse me, third step, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Understood is a past tense word. It's a past tense word because the understanding comes from the second step. We understand it in the second step, we've understood it in the third step. In the first two steps, there ain't nothing about God, Jesus, Buddha, Allah, Muhammad, Mashiganovich. There ain't no naming about the thing. It's a power greater than self. There's no higher power in the first two steps. Check it out. Well, they fell down, but we got them there. <laughs> <coughs> you know. But Bill understood it in, this, in the first two steps, so he named it in the third step. He named it God. I have no problem with the word God. I love the word God. If you do, well then call it something else. I love God. G-O-D. Group of drunks. Group of drug addicts. Good old dude. You know, go on dreaming. Get out devil. Good orderly direction. All the little words we love for God. The fog's been lifted that I was in. F-O-G. Fear of God. It's been lifted through you guys. I understand today, I have an understanding of a God in my life today that makes complete sense to me at all times for all occasions that I can absolutely depend on to prevent me from having to drink and use over no matter what comes down the pike. And I'm telling you now, if you think getting soaked is the end of the line, you're joking. You will hit bottoms in sobriety if you stick around here and ask some of the old farts that have been around here. At ten years of sobriety, I was in the fetal position on the floor, eating the bloody carpet in so much pain I couldn't stand. But I stand before you today as believing proof that you don't have to drink over it. And that's because of this beautiful, wonderful program of Alcoholics Anonymous that enables me to be able to do that. Having made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, well, what was my will in my life? I had to know what that was. I didn't know what that was even. My will is my thinking, my life is my actions. 
I couldn't live in the now because I was going around all this guilt, shame and remorse from yesterday. And I couldn't live in the now because I had all this fear, worry and anxiety about tomorrow. Yet we had to live in the now. N-O-W, no other way. But I couldn't live in the now because I hadn't done that third step. My will is my thinking, my life is my action. But it wasn't just this thing. It had to be past, present and future. It had to be everything I have done, am doing and will do. Everything I wish I'd done, would like to be doing and hope I'll do. So that I can live in the now. And, and make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Not turn my life over to God. I tried that, didn't work. I turned my life over to God. He said, keep it, I don't want it, I gave it to you. My, my, my Jaguar, I got a white Jaguar sports car. You know, I love my white Jaguar sports car. It's one of many I got today, but I, I just happen to love my white Jaguar sports car. I mean, for Christ's sake, I'm a limey, for Christ's sake. What else would I drive? It's a white Jaguar sports car, 12 cylinders. Love it. Reminds me of the third step. I mean, 12 steps, 12 traditions, 12 cylinders. <laughs> but it's a limey piece of shit. It's in the garage. It's like I have to put it in the care of the mechanic every bloody so often. It keeps going wrong. When it goes wrong, I have to put it in the care of the mechanic. I put it in the care of the mechanic for fixing and repair. I don't give him my car. It's my bloody car. I own it. i got to pay DMV for it. But I put it in the care of the mechanic for fixing and repair. Same as my life to the power. All the first three steps are really saying, aren't they, is I can't, he can, so let him. You seem to have done a pretty good job. That power greater than myself. I don't know that I've ever said this from the podium before. But you know what? It's changed. More has been revealed. Today, the power that I know and understand and makes complete sense to me. My Native American brothers taught me about the Creator, the Great Spirit, Father Sky, Mother Earth, brothers and sisters, family, F-A-M-I-L-Y, Father and Mother, I love you. Father Sky, Mother Earth, brothers and sisters, the great creator, the great spirit, created everything equally. Everything he created he loves equally. From the smallest blade of grass to the Empire State Building. You, me, us, we're all his kids. I'm his kid, you're his kid. If I am, you are. If you are, I am. He loves us all equally. He don't love you more than me and me more than you. When a mother has a second child, does she love the first one less? No, of course not. Our God expands his love to all of us, doesn't he? I can turn to the power. That's in my imagery. When I close my eyes and go there, today it's different. When I close my eyes and go to, you know, the source, the great creator, the great spirit, the power, in my imagery and in my mental state, I can go there never used to be like that when I got here sought through prayer and meditation I wasn't very good at that I would close my eyes to meditate and I, and I was just really sick and I, I don't know about you I don't know whether you were as sick as this but I would close my eyes to meditate and I would see these tits you know <laughs> I 
God. And I would get all embarrassed. And I'd, God. Goddamn pervert. You're supposed to be getting in touch with God, for Christ's sake. And I would try again, and I'd get sentenced, and I would close my eyes, and they would get bigger. God. But it ain't like that today. When I close my eyes and I, I get centered and I can go to the source and the power in my imagery and my mental state. It's my mind. But you know what? Guess what? I'm a common old garden variety drunk. Some days I just ain't that spiritual, man. Some days I just got to have something with skin round it, for Christ's sake. Some days I just, best I can do is get my ass to a meeting and sit in a chair and just rock and just let the chill and the angst get away and just come and be among you and rely on the power of me plus you is a power greater than me or my own and I can feel safe not sucked in by the obsession so mind and body, mental and physical have a power greater than myself that makes complete sense to me at all times under any conditions that I can absolutely rely upon to not have to drink and use makes a lot of difference do we believe in miracles? We absolutely depend on them, don't we? Yeah. How long have we been going on? Are we going to try to wrap it up? Yeah. Are we wrapping this up? What time is it? I, uh, I've talked to you of many things tonight and I, I, I guess I, I just feel inclined to mention something. I, uh, I'm not broke, busted, disgusted and not to be trusted today. You know, I bought another house this year. I've got several. i got more than I need of everything I need. Everything I need, i got more of it than I need. But most preciously, that conscious contact with that power is the most important. But you know what? Rewards beyond my wildest dreams. One of the words for God is G-O-D, go on dreaming. I was talking to my mum before I came away. My mum's 82 years of age, still lives in northwest London. I'm going home to see her this year, as I do most years. My mum doesn't understand this disease, you know. My mum's not an alcoholic. She doesn't understand me or know me as well as you guys that have never even seen me before. I walk into my mum's house every year. I walk into my mum's house, no matter what year it is, I walk into my mum's house and say, Mum, I'm 15 years sober. She says, so is the cat. <laughs> and she ain't sick like you lot she don't laugh at seemingly hopeless situations out of the past like our beautiful book talks about you ever notice that by the way my, my beautiful book I was reading it again today page 132 my favourite page this week So we think cheerfulness and laughter make for usefulness. Outsiders are sometimes shocked when we burst into merriment over a seemingly tragic experience out of the past. But why shouldn't we laugh? We have recovered and have been given the power to help others. What a gift. Recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and be able to help the next dude. Wow. 
see. My mum don't understand that. My mum don't laugh at seemingly tragic experiences out of the past. She never used to laugh when I used to come home and puke on the cat. <laughs> Any other pukers here? Look, yeah. I'm a puker, man. I ain't no dribble-ass puker, you know. I'm a goddamn directional puker, me. Large chunks. Like that. Have you ever puked on a cat? That's weird shit, I tell you. <laughs> you come home and you know you're going to puke. We have something inbred that tells us, don't we? It seems to come like... <laughs> you swallow it back down. <laughs> Shut up! Then you know it's coming, it's a gusher. It's a... Right on the cat. And you look at it all weird like that. Holy shit, I don't remember eating that. <laughs> then the cat gets up and runs off. Bits of carrot hanging on it and shit, you know what I mean? That's weird and all. Where does that carrot come from, for Christ's sake? I can promise you in my entire life, I never once sat down and ate, ate a diced carrot. Yet every time I puke, there the bastard was. Diced carrot. <laughs> Bits of corn. Where does that shit come from? I don't know where that shit comes from. My mum's got the American flag on her piano in her little house in London, England. You guys sent it to her. You guys flew the American flag from the top of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., and you took it down and folded it up in a diamond shape like that, put it in a glass-fronted cabinet, and sent it to my mum in England. And you, on the brass plaque that you put on that cabinet, it said, this flag flew over America to celebrate Mickey Bush's birthday. God, and my mum's got that in her pride of her place in her little house. God, and she's so proud of that. And all her girlfriends come round and she's got all these old ladies, they've all got this like little kind of club and they all come round and, you know, all her girlfriends come round and they sit around and they drink tea and tell lies. <laughs> you know, and, and they say, tell us some more stories about Mickey in America, Mary. And her chest goes out and she tells them. And she tells them what I'm doing, and I'll tell her about here. I'll tell her about coming to Lake of the Ozarks and the fun I've had. Tell her about my friend Todd driving from Chicago to come and visit us, and the other troops here. And she'll be proud, and her chest will go out, and she'll tell all these lies to her girlfriends. <laughs> and they'll say, wow, Mary, I bet you're proud of your Mick. And I know, because she tells me. You know? And I know that uh, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel different. I don't know how that works, folks. I don't know how an old lady of 82 years of age, in the twilight of her years, can be sitting 6,000 miles away, happy and proud that her boy is doing well in America. Her friends never used to say that. 
Her friends used to say to her, Are they going to let your Mickey out the nut ward for Christmas this year, Mary? <laughs> and she used to cry and hurt and be ashamed, and today she's not, you know, she's not. You know, I, 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 I don't know why I'm talking about this, but when I when I I'd sat in the speaker's chair on the floor of the House of Representatives, you know, and I sat there and I looked out over the floor and I went, holy shit, you know. And I'm weird and I just saw the weirdness of it and I, I just went into this laughing fit, man. <laughs> I just cracked up laughing and I just laughed so hard, I was hurting laughing and I slipped off the bloody chair, you know, the big chair, the, you know your chair, it's your bloody house. And, and there was congressmen around me and shit, and they, they picked me up and they said, Mick, what's the matter? I said, you'll never understand. You'll never... <laughs> How does a dude like me come out of nutwards for the criminally insane, chained down in five-point restraint, puking up in the air? How does a guy like that come out of a, uh, a place where I've come from to sitting in the speaker's chair on the floor of the House of Representatives in the most powerful nation in the world? How does that... There's no road there, folks without this program. Yeah. I'm going to... I'm having a party up here, I tell you. I just don't know. <laughs> when I got home from that first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, I had two telephone numbers in my hand and I didn't know it, but it was part of the process. I didn't know that I was an active member of Alcoholics Anonymous ever since day one because I called one of the numbers. You guys had given me two phone numbers and I called one of them and this dude answered the phone. And I said, I don't know who you are, pal. I said, but I got your number here. And he said, oh, he said, I remember you from the meeting today. I said, oh, yeah, about them meetings. He said, what about them? I said, do you go to them meetings? He said, yeah. I said, when? He said, all the time. I said, how long have you been going? He said, four months. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, I'm four months clean and sober. I said, oh, shit. I said, they had them meetings at night? He said, yeah. I said, can I come to a meeting with you tonight? And he said, well, I would normally go to a meeting. He said, but tonight, he said, I've made plans to go to a movie, he said. I said, all right, then, it don't matter, it don't matter. Because I went all little again, see? I went all kind of little again. And, and he must have picked up on it. He said, wait a minute, he said, holy shit. What the hell's wrong with me? I said, what's the matter? He said, man, he said, you may have saved my life. I said, no, i never done nothing. <laughs> He said, the slip starts somewhere. He said, and I'm four months sober and a newcomer wants to go to a meeting and I tell him, no, I'm going to a movie. Holy shit, he said, I owe you an amend. I said, it's all right, it's all right. <laughs> he said, where do you live? I'm coming around to pick you up. I said, what about your movie? He said, screw the movie, you're much more important than the movie. I said, I am. He did, and he come round and picked me up that night. And he was bloody weird too. He was. He was weird. I went out to his car. He had a little red Fiat sports car. But he had it all decked out like a Mercedes. It had a Mercedes emblem on it and shit. I didn't know it, but I was getting my first, like, experience of grandiosity. <laughs> He took me to a meeting, got me a beautiful book, Alcoholics Anonymous. 
down in San Fernando Valley, in Los Angeles, where I live today. A couple of weeks ago, we had a picnic down there, and it was a lovely outdoor affair. I bumped into this dude. He was the speaker at the meeting. And guess what? He's still four months ahead of me. My telephone number, I got three telephone numbers. They're all in the 818 area code. 818 area code, not, eight one, not 1800, 818 area code. My three numbers is 818, are you clean? Are you sober? Are you step one? Three separate numbers. Yeah. Good, isn't it? Just like Toys R Us, you know, are you? C-L-E-A-N <coughs> R-U S-O-B-E-R R-U S-T-E-P-1 yeah. Easy to remember Bloody hard to dial when you're trying to work it out <coughs> But that's what I do I give you my telephone number I love getting your calls I get calls from all over And I love that And please call me I love your calls I depend on your calls and if you're wondering tonight whether you is or whether you isn't a real alcoholic or not, I want you to take this little clue. Here's a little clue. If you're wondering whether you is or whether you isn't, here's a little clue. You better not have laughed in here tonight. Because <laughs> if you're laughing in here tonight, you may have got this disease. Because <laughs> they say if you're laughing, you're relating. And if you're relating to a sicko like me, there ain't no doubt about you, pal. Because <laughs> I don't get through to no well people. <laughs> well people don't laugh at my shit. You people laugh with me, and for that I'm ever grateful. Keep coming back. God bless.